my sense of worth and my place, you know, in life and as a person, my identity essentially was really based on a lot of external standards, you know, that I had bought into. And so then at that time, running was more of a tool and a mechanism to kind of like reach to meet those standards. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. And welcome to episode 15 of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner Podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of the Motherrunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today we get to chat with Carolyn Sue. She's a runner, an advocate, an ice cream hoarder, and she is creator of the Instagram account at Diverse We Run. Some more about Carolyn. She writes weekly features on Instagram to amplify Black, Indigenous, people of color runners, and she advocates for racial representation, equity, and inclusion in the running community. She's been featured in Runner's World Outside and Trail Runner Magazine and the Boston Globe. Carolyn's activism in running came from her own love of the sport and from her own personal experience as a daughter of Chinese immigrant parents. She grew up outside of Houston, straddling the expectations of two different cultures while navigating the socio-racial impact of the model minority myth. She now lives in the greater Boston area where she continues her advocacy through social media, active participation within her church, activism in her children's schools, and collaboration with her local running brands, BIPOC-led running groups, and individuals. Her ultimate mission is to equip and empower others to show up fully as themselves in all aspects of life. Okay, so we're going to get to our interview with Carolyn after this short message from our sponsor, RunnerClick. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles, so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. Hey, Carolyn, I am so happy to have you here and meet with you face to face. Well, kind of for the first time (laughs) since being your admirer for many years. Oh, gosh. I know. I feel like we've known each other for a long time, even though, yeah, like we've only really interacted over Instagram. You reached out to me early on, like I started my Instagram account and got injured and you were dealing with your foot injury and I think you had just had surgery and you couldn't do anything. Oh, right. Yeah. You were like propping your foot up and trying to do like (laughs) push-ups and stuff like that, I think. But yeah, I mean, you just, you were like one of the first people to reach out to me to be like, I know what you're going through and just commiserating made me feel so much better. And so that's when like I became a fan and learned more about you and learned more about your mission. And so it's really cool to finally have this like platform to speak with you in real life 
versus like over Instagram messages. So yes, yay. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of ground to cover. But first, you I just saw on your Instagram that you made a pretty exciting announcement about a podcast that you are launching with Matt Chittam, who we've had on before, the Rambling Runner host. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's just, I mean, Matt and I have known each other for a while and also connected, you know, through Instagram when he had first started his Rambling Runner podcast and I've been a big fan and and he's, you know, like he's a dad, he's a runner, you know, and I'm a mom, I'm a runner. And it's just been fun to kind of like chat through all the different ups and downs of juggling, right? Like life and running and family and everything. So then I don't know. Yeah. Matt just, he had been wanting to, I think, have some returning uh, or recurring guests on his show. And so he just reached out and asked if I'd be interested. And we're basically just like chatting like we do (laughs) offline, but recording it. So I hope it's also entertaining for (laughs) for people to listen to. Yeah, that's always my hope too, because these podcasts are very much like how it would go if I just happened to be on a run. There's not like, I I mean, I have a list of questions, but it's not like a very structured outline. So it's very much like the flow of whatever, you know, wherever the conversation goes, which is why like I was on Matt's show last summer and I loved that, that it's called the rambling runner. Cause I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm totally cool to ramble. Cause I'm very good yeah. at that. <laughs> <laughs> this is accepted. I will not be judged to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So you guys are, you're both in the Boston area, right? He is in Rhode Island and oh, I'm in the okay. Boston area. That's right. Yeah. So not too far. So it's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, you know, I come from Texas where like you have to drive eight hours just to get out of the state. Yeah. But here in New England, you know, you drive like an hour and you're in a different state already. So it does feel kind of like we're close. You're close. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you haven't, have you ever met in real life? We have. We have. Oh, okay. I met him at one of the Boston Marathon weekends a few years ago. It was one of, it was like one of the first meetups that he had set up for himself, you know, for the Rambling Runner podcast. And it was still kind of like wintry because here in April it's still winter yeah. <laughs> basically and but he picked a location that was downtown Boston. Traffic was really bad and so like I had my husband and kids in the car. And so my husband was just basically making loops around the city blocks while I ran inside the coffee shop to say hi to Matt for like five minutes just to meet. And then I had to like run back out and (laughs) hop in the car. Well, so you, but you got it done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That your, your husband gets, gets a big pat on the back for that. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) The kids were probably like, how long is this going to take? She said it was only going to take five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Sponsored by Tracksmith too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're our main sponsor. So really grateful. I mean, we both love, love Tracksmith anyway. And, and I have the benefit of Tracksmith being local to me. So it's fun. (laughs) I need to make it to Boston just to go to the Tracksmith store. Yeah. It's nice. I've never been to the store. I bet it is. Is it big? I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's pretty standard according to Boston (laughs) sizes, Yeah, but they have an upstairs area that it's kind of just like a, a lounge, lounge, you know? Okay, I've seen that. Yeah. Like after Boston, there were a bunch of people with pictures of with pro runners in that lounge area, which looked really cool. And I was getting FOMO. 
oh, I know you'll have to <laughs> make a trip out here. So it's nice. And they have, I guess, quote unquote, office hours throughout the week where, you know, people can stop in. And if you need like a workplace you can bring your laptop or you just want to chill in between wherever you need to go, you know, or even like after a run or something, and you just need a place to kind of freshen up or wash up, you know, like they have, they have space there. So that is so cool. So how'd you end up in Boston coming from Texas? Very different. Oh, it is very different. Yeah. It's mostly because my husband got a job out here. He's in biomedical engineering and oh wow, they're really, most of that industry is on the East or West coast. So we actually lived in Orange County for a short period of time uh, while he got his postdoctorate. And then we moved out to the Boston area uh, in 2013. So So three very different cultures. Yeah, (laughs) very much so. Although I think, I mean, I grew up in Houston and then I lived in Austin for almost 10 years because I went to school there and I graduated and then I stayed there. Oh, okay. So I think, I don't know, like Orange County and Houston, Austin areas, I felt like were fairly similar. Okay. Just, I don't know. It's just like suburby kind of feel. Everything's more spread out. Everyone drives everywhere. There's kind of this laid back, I guess, kind of pace of life. Really? Okay. <laughs> and then really moving out here, I mean, Boston super fast paced and everyone's kind of like, you know where you're going, you know what you need to do. So get out of the way. (laughs) I have this memory of when my husband and I ran Boston a long, long time ago and we went to, gosh, we went to a Kings of Leon concert the night before. Oh my God. (laughs) Which is like, I mean, that's stuff you do when you're, when you're young, you know, and we were trying to find parking and Jake accidentally hit the horn and this guy waiting on the street to cross just like yelled the F word. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like oh, yeah. He just kind of <laughs> tapped on the horn a little bit. And the guy just with all of his anger yelled the F word. And we're from like Tennessee, you know, Southern hospitality. So we were like, we were shrinking on our seats. Like, oh my gosh, he's going to I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's what my husband was just yelling. He's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean oh. to. <laughs> just trying to find parking. Well, good. Well, I'm going to have to hit you up after this because I'm going to Austin for a girl's trip with my high school friends in a couple weeks. And I've never been. And we always try to pick a new city every time. We've been doing it ever since we were 18, actually. Um, So a very long time. So I'll have to ask you for some tips on, especially running tips, because I'll need to know where to run that's like safe and cool. And yeah. So I'll be bugging you about that. Oh, yeah. No, you're more than welcome to. (laughs) Okay. So speaking of, you know, our youth and being young, I would love to know how you're running a little bit about your running story and how you got into running and what it was like for you as a kid. Yeah. So I didn't, I guess, get into running until I was in college. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't know about running (laughs) as a sport (laughs) or anything. I thought it was punishment. (laughs) I mean, I kind of like vaguely remember there was one time when I was in middle school sitting on the lunch table and there were a few girls further down the table from me and my friends. And one girl had opened up a box with running shoes and she was just like really excited showing her friends that her parents bought her this new pair of shoes for cross country. And I just remember that moment because I had no idea what 
cross country was. And I had to like, I had asked my friends and everyone was kind of like, oh, I don't know. It's some running thing. <laughs> like it's some sport, you know? And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it just wasn't like a thing. Yeah. And, and it's not unusual, I think, because I, you know, I, my parents were immigrants from Taiwan and my sister and I, we were born and raised in Houston, Texas. And a lot of our time was spent with the Chinese Taiwanese immigrant communities. And because that's, you know, my, my parents were very involved in helping and we spent a lot of time at the Chinese Community Center in Houston, which was basically like a hub for for things relating to like culture, you know, cultural things like arts, festivals, but also resources for, you know, like people who wanted to learn how to file taxes or, you know, English learning type of classes, just that type of thing. Yeah. And so because of that, you know, I don't you know, my parents just coming from the Taiwan, Taiwanese uh, background, there really wasn't as much or not much emphasis at all really on sports, but a lot more focus was on academics and the fine arts. So, you know, I played a few instruments yeah. <laughs> um, growing up and I was involved with like math club and orchestra, but that was the extent of my knowledge of like extracurriculars. And I discovered running because, you know, when I was in middle school, I started, I developed an eating disorder. And at the time I didn't know that that's what it was, but that's basically what it was. And I studied a lot of, you know, health and fitness magazines and just really sought different ways, I guess, to kind of mold my body and also, you know, find the most efficient way to burn calories and to get lean, you know, that type of stuff. And so, you know, my family had a gym membership. And so that's, that was mostly my, that was my tool <laughs> from middle school through high school. But then in college, I didn't have that gym membership. And I just was kind of looking for another way of movement. And according to these health fitness magazines, you know, running was supposed to be like super effective, efficient way of, you know, fat burn. And so that was really honestly the main reason I, you know, I got into running. And so, yeah. That's interesting that it, I mean, it was, it was born out of, well, I don't know how else to say it, but like kind of a negative thing. And so obviously it is not now. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, and we're going to get, I mean, for you personally, and then for what you're doing for the running community, which we're going to get to, how were you able to make that transformation from, I mean, having it be, and so many people get into running as a way to lose weight. And it's such a fine line to walk, I think, between like it, crossing over into an eating disorder, disordered eating, and just overall being unhealthy versus like it being just empowering and just overall like this mental and physical strength that you gain. How were you able to switch from one side to the other? Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is, it is such a fine line because I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of our sense of, I think, identity, you know, that is tied up into our appearance, but also our performance. And and running can play such a big role in that as well, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I'd say for me, 
my sense of worth and my place, you know, in life and as a person, my identity essentially was really based on a lot of external standards, you know, that I had bought into. And so then at that time, running was more of a tool and a mechanism to kind of like reach to meet those standards. And it definitely took a lot of therapy and counseling for me to even like recognize that I was making these associations. And, you know, with eating disorders or disordered eating, the beliefs that we have about ourselves, they go very deep. And, and it took a lot of time to get to the root of those different issues and then to basically create new truths about myself and about like the world. <laughs> and, and so, you know, now I think I would say the difference is instead of running, being a tool to make myself feel like I have a sense of worth or identity, it's more now I know that I have worth and I know who I am and what I value. And through that, I'm able to engage in running and participate in this sport and activity and really appreciate, you know, the things that running can bring me and open up for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I you put that really beautifully, especially like looking at it as a tool, because I think, I mean, I go into this group, like a lot of people don't realize that that's what you're doing. Um, and just having that self-awareness, I think a, the running, the sport of running attracts achievers anyways, and achievers are looking for that, those external markers that make them feel like they're worthy, um, or that they're good enough. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of us are just wired that way and we don't even realize that that's what we're doing and that we don't have to run a certain time or look a certain way in order to be like valuable or loved. So how did you even realize that this was like what you were doing or just what you were doing and that it wasn't good for your mental or physical health? I think it takes it took a lot of time and i think honestly i am still revisiting um the the that question you know um through different seasons in life definitely as a college student i think there were different i'm like <laughs> struggling to think back right now but um <laughs> as a college student you know there were different external standards that told me that i wasn't enough you know, that I was trying to kind of like reach and accomplish. And it took a lot of, like I said, you know, counseling, but also I had to practice sharing with the people who are closest to me, like my roommates, you know, or my, you know, my sister who uh, lived with me for a period of time. You know, I had to, first of all, like share with them the struggles that I had and to acknowledge, oh, these are the truths that I'm believing right now. And they're actually not true, you know, and they're false. And so when you see me, you know, like behaving a certain way, like, I don't know, like um, constantly snacking all the time and just watching TV, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that might be an indication that I have a lot of things on my mind that I need help processing. And could you ask me, if you see me doing those things, could you ask me, 
if there's anything I want to talk about, just so that like that can help me process through things. And then to then also remind me, and I had like a list of things that are like, okay, this is what's actually true. And can you please remind me of like, what is actually true, you know, that kind of thing. But I will say, I think that there have been so many seasons, (laughs) such as then later, like, when I got pregnant (laughs) with our first child. And it was honestly, it was, it was kind of a surprise. And so I was kind of like, unprepared, I guess, for how quickly we got pregnant. (laughs) And, and then, you know, having my body change through that period of time, which then also changed the way I was able to run and going through that season and, or going through like postpartum seasons of like my body, not immediately jumping back into (laughs) it's like pre-pregnancy form, you know, or abilities even, and just learning to recognize like all of those different seasons. And then of course, later like injuries, Yeah, (laughs) that kind of force, it's almost, yeah, like a, a forced time of having to slow down or sometimes even having to stop, right? Running and to kind of like reflect again, of like, what is running to me? And am I somehow once again, like associating my worth in my performance again, and in my abilities to achieve certain times, certain paces, certain miles, you know, mileages. And if so, like, if, you know, I have to once again, revisit what is true about who I am, about my worth, my purpose, you know, in life and what is actually valuable in like the big scheme of things, like what actually matters. So, you know, I feel like it's like a continuous (laughs) journey. It really is because old habits die hard, which I've learned. And and with you and I have been, for lack of a better term, kind of laid up the past for the past couple of years, I know, and not been able to race and complete a full marathon cycle, which has been like the gift is it has been a great opportunity for reflection, I think, and bringing a lot of these, I guess, you know, unhealthy habits to light. And, but I think it's a kind of a fine line as well to walk, like to not attach your worth to a certain time, but also really want that goal. Like, I think you had an Instagram post recently that was just like, gosh, darn it. Like I, (laughs) I want that BQ or, you know, whatever your goal is. And I feel the same way. Like I, I have my goal and I, it's very important to me, but yet I'm still trying to stay focused on the process goals and just, you know, staying healthy and taking it day by day and not getting ahead of myself. But like, you know, it's, you're, you still want that time. You're still hungry for the goal. And it's like kind of tricky not to, to cross over too far into the other side. I don't know. Do you find it that way too? Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I know. I'm always crying to my coach (laughs) about things of like, I don't care about growing stronger in the process. Like I just (laughs) want that thing. I just want it. The patience (laughs) is the hardest part. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so you, oh my goodness, you got dealt a pretty bad hand this spring. You had a beautiful build, it looks like. And then you got COVID like a week or two before your marathon, right? Yeah. It was the week, the week before the marathon. Oh, and it was a little bit. Yeah, you're right. It was like a week and a half before the marathon. Yeah. This is, I guess it's hard to say it, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. yeah, it was supposed to be my like comeback training cycle, my comeback marathon. You know, I, 
I had surgery in 2020 and then wasn't able to rehab until 2021 because everything closed down, right? And and then even after that, as I was doing all this cross training and spinning on the bike, I didn't realize it, but like even just the narrowness of the spin shoes were not suitable for like for my body, for my feet. And, you know, I got stress reactions and then had to heal from oh, that, you know? No. And, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like it just has been up and down and up and down. And finally, you know, I have been keeping up with all of these tedious physical therapy exercises. I've been doing strength training and the buildup to this training cycle has been in my mind so achingly slow, but you know, I trust, you know, I trust my coach and I knew that we were building a strong aerobic foundation and, and yeah, you're right. Like this training cycle, it's been really rewarding to see the fruit of my labor coming, you know, into fruition, I guess, like paying off and seeing more of that speed and that strength coming through. And, and yeah, this, the marathon that I was supposed to have run this past Sunday was going to be my first marathon since 2018, CIM 2018. And so I was like, just, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think I was necessarily like putting all of my eggs in one basket, not that type of feeling, but I was really looking forward to this. It was kind oh, of, yeah. right? You know, like, all right, finally, you know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get to the race day, you know, healthy, like physically, I have no injuries. I'm like strong, but you know, COVID <laughs> and my whole family got it. And I mean, it has been going around like wildfire out here. And even though after the third day, I felt like I was, I had gotten over that, like the peak, you know, of feeling bad and my energy levels were coming back, but there was just this lingering, lingering sense of just kind of like fatigue in a way. And I would get heart palpitations here and there unexpectedly. And, but, you know, this whole time, you know, my coach was checking in, was checking in on me every day, seeing how I was feeling. And, oh, that's, that's great. You know? Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. Um, Sarah Canny. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of Rise Run Retreat and Run Far Girl. And, you know, she was checking in on me. And so I was also kind of still hoping, you know, in the back of my mind that like, okay, you know, if I just like get enough sleep, stay hydrated enough, I'm going to knock this out. And, and like, even if I can't necessarily like race, race, the marathon, I can at least go and like, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy it. And, but yeah, a few days out, I just had to kind of come to terms with things because um, there was one evening where I had basically, it almost felt like a panic attack where all of a sudden my heart was racing and then I got really cold and I felt really faint and lightheaded and dizzy and um, just kind of like came out of nowhere. And I had to, I was lying on the couch reading I wasn't even doing anything like physically strenuous, but it was so, I guess, serious in that moment. Like I, I could only reach for my phone that was next to me. And I called my husband because <laughs> he was down in the basement resting and I was in the, on the first floor and I had to call him just to like, come sit next to me because I wasn't, I just got really afraid. Like, I don't know what's going to happen right now. My body, like I can't control what's going on in my body. And, and thankfully, you know, my heart rate came back down and I was able to breathe 
through things and, you know, get situated. But that just made me, I think, have to admit that my body was clearly still fighting something serious, you know? So yeah, the next day I talked to my coach, cried with her on the phone, and then I contacted the race directors. And, you know, thankfully I was able to defer my, my race registration until next year. But yeah, it's just one of those like, okay, you know, it's not worth trying to slog through 26.2 miles just for the sake of doing it, you know, when my body just needs the rest. I think you made a very smart call. I think, and I've written about this and talked to doctors and researched it for my site. But I mean, if you pay attention to, to runners who had COVID on Instagram, like so many of them, myself included, experienced what you experienced and you for some people, it's like a bad cold, but then a lot of people have the lingering fatigue and the heart issues. And you're, I mean, you taking this disappointment with such grace. I mean, like, obviously you can take heart knowing that training cycle. I mean, your body is fitter. It's not for not, but it's still so hard. Will you try to do another marathon sooner rather than later? Or are you just kind of going to start back over again or take time off or have you thought about it? Yeah. I I texted Matt actually, because, you know, we were going to talk about like the next recording that we were going to do for our series. We were going to talk about my marathon experience. And I was like, looks like it's going to be a non-experience. Yeah. But he suggested immediately, he was like, well, what about grandma's marathon? It's in mid-June. And I mean... It's tempting. <laughs> it is. I looked it up and I looked at the course and I looked at, you know, the weather and weather forecast, all of that. But but yeah, I mean, you know, actually I read one of your articles that night, like after after I experienced that like panic attack feeling, I read one of the articles that you wrote about just how long it would take. I think you had said like around four four to six weeks or something, and then you had like a slow return to run type of you know program um, outlined, and you know, and that stuck with me too because you know I was just thinking like I mean if it's usually recommended for runners who are healthy to take four to six weeks to just rebuild and re-enter into running again. Like, why would I try to like, again, push my body beyond that, you know? And so, yeah, no, I, right now I am in a place where I just want to make sure I can like go out for easy runs with my heart rate, you know, feeling like where it's supposed to be. And then after that, like, okay, we can look into other races. I mean, I, I am registered for the Chicago Marathon in October. I got into the lot through the lottery oh, this year. So, you know, so that's there. October is still a ways away, but it'll be here before you know it though. <laughs> it will. I mean, summers fly by. So, but it's still hard to wait when you were so ready. Like you were, you were sitting at the dinner table. You were ready to go. Gosh, I know I was. I'm surprised grandma still has some openings. Oh, actually, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I didn't actually, I didn't actually click the register button or anything. I mean, I looked at the website and the race page, so I don't know. Maybe I bet it would stay closed on the front if it, you know, like 
I, I feel like they would advertise that. But yeah, I've heard great things. If yeah, but you're doing it at, you were doing it the smart way. And yeah, that's what I ended up doing too. And finally my heart rate, like past couple of weeks is totally back to normal and everything feels totally normal. But it took a little while. And it's and I think part of what fed into it is just you're kind of you're freaked out, which I mean it's all related to your nervous system and how it's reacting to fighting the virus. And then when you're like stressed out about what's happening to your to your body, I mean that just adds <laughs> insult to injury. So yeah. So it it can take a little time, but it I mean like rest is best at this period. So you're being really it's so hard for us though. It is. It is. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, you and I both know we've, it's, it feels maybe ironic. I don't know to say, but I think thanks to our experience of dealing with injuries in the past, I am thankful that, yeah, I think that has helped informed me to make a wiser decision for myself. It's still hard. It's still hard. Yes. You know, but I think I feel at peace. I'm very certain, you know, that I, I did the right thing. And um, at this point now in my life too, I'm like my body, I, we get only one body. Right. <laughs> yeah. There will be more races. I want to take care of my body and for the long term, you know, so that I can continue running. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like knowing all these logical things, it, it's still hard though. And we're still stubborn. I it, like, I still arrived at the smart decision faster than I would have had I not dealt with injuries over the past couple of years, but it still took me a while to get there. It wasn't like, Oh, I tested positive, going to take six weeks right. off. You know, it was like, I'll take a week off and then I'll try and then I'll double my mileage the next day, and then, know. you know, and then that didn't work out. And then I had, uh, and I mentioned this on a past show, like I had my best friend tell me that's because you think the rules don't apply to you. And I think so many runners, like we're healthy, we're, you know, we're resilient. And so we're like, oh, that's just for the normal public that's eating potato <laughs> chips all day on the couch. We we can push our bar- bodies, but yeah, not in this scenario. Okay. So I want to know about Diverse We Run and how that idea came about and what your mission is. Yeah. So Diverse We Run is the Instagram platform that I created a couple of years ago at this point now. And every week I write a story, you know, a feature of an athlete who is a person of color. And it just highlights, basically the whole platform is to highlight and amplify our stories and to share about how a person's you know, cultural background and and race really impacts our entry into running as well as our experience in the sport, even, even now, you know, as we continue to show up. And uh, so, yeah, every week I write a, a new feature and it's been really cool to, to see the community that has built out from it or like grown out of it because, you know, this is to borrow a phrase from, I think, the literary world, but we all need windows and mirrors, you know, in our life. We need windows to learn, you know, about the world and about people who are different from us, you know, and to recognize that the world is bigger (laughs) than just what we know in front of us. But we also need mirrors to see ourselves, you know, reflected and also to, to see what could be possible um, for us. And so that's why uh, that's really what motivated me to create the account in the first place. It was kind of seeing really a lack of representation 
of people of color in the running industry, in media. I mean, that's that was definitely my experience growing up, not necessarily in relation to running, but just growing up, you know, as a, a Chinese American person and being kind of like surrounded basically by white Americans and feeling like I needed to fit in to what it meant to be white. And that continued on that kind of like standard and narrative continued through the sport of running as I got into running, right? Like in college. And as I tried to learn more about the sport, you know, subscribing to runner's world and like these different industry leaders, you know, looking to these industry leaders to understand like, what does it mean to be a runner? And what are, what does a runner look like? And, and just realizing that a lot of the standards, whether they are nutrition standards or or even like standards such as like accessibility to different gear that is required to be a quote unquote successful runner, you know, and or even like access to like safe routes. All of these things were kind of like almost like assumed in the image and the, and the narrative that was presented. And so... Yeah, basically, like as I try to like get more involved and connected with the quote unquote running community, that was when I think I just started to see more and more the the disparity or the lack of representation of people from different backgrounds and different experiences. And so for a while, I tried to kind of like reach out to the different like popular podcasters, you know, influencers to suggest other runners who are like black or Asian, you know, or uh, just people of different races and backgrounds. And at that time, you know, back in 2018-ish, yeah, 2018-2017, I think people were still very reluctant to acknowledge different races that plays an influence, you know, into a person's lived experience. And so it didn't really, I felt like people were just really politely rejecting (laughs) my ideas. Yeah. And, but the more I talked with runners who are Black or Latino, you know, uh, just basically the more I talked with runners who are runners of color, the more I realized that like, I wasn't the only one who felt this way. And so, yeah, so it was basically out of kind of like frustration and realizing that like nobody was going to do anything. um, And that if I wanted to see something different. If I wanted to see something change, then like I was going to have to start it and do it myself. And so that's how Diversity Run was born. (laughs) Uh, Well, and I've noticed, I noticed a big change after Ahmad Arbery. Like, I feel like Runner's World finally started listening in other outlets, but I get the hardcover of Runner's World that they are trying to do a much better job of being more diverse and inclusive and sharing different stories. Feel like that's enough? I mean, do you feel like it's genuine and it is like helping, you know, install more windows and mirrors or does, I mean, do you have ideas for how the running community can do a better job? It's really, I think it's hard to say definitively. I think that real change happens through relationships 
And so regardless if you if it's a you know a large conglomerate, you know, company or publication, or if we're talking about, you know, social media influencers and podcasters, like it all ultimately comes down to the relationships that you have with people. And because it's through relationships that then you see the person, right? And it's through relationships that we build community. And so ultimately, like, I think what is important is that each individual, that all of us, that we approach things with a desire to understand and to get to know the person, whomever it is, you know, that whom you're interacting with. And those types of things, like building relationships with people takes time. And it's not going to necessarily just look like putting images of different types of people, you know, on covers or, you know, I mean, I think it's great that there are more stories that are being shared and that definitely helps. But at the same time, like, I think it would be naive to think that the work ends there, you know? Yeah. I know there was like a big push to start following people that were quote unquote different than you and Instagram and like, you know, connecting that way during the pandemic. And like, I don't know how much, you know, how people follow through with that. I know there was some maybe criticism of that, you know, like it wasn't enough. But of course, it was hard because it was also during the pandemic. So it's not like you're going to go run with, you know, new running groups and stuff like that. But well, I guess like, what is your hope? I mean, the running community is known as being inclusive, right? I mean, and supportive, I mean, do you agree with that statement, actually? I mean, I guess I would say supportive, but I don't know about inclusive. Like, is it? I mean, I know you you have had, maybe not from other runners, but like, I know you've been out for a run and had people say like really awful things to you. Yeah. You responded in a very Bostonian way to one of them, didn't you? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, just like when Jake accidentally mm, tapped the horn. <laughs> Yeah. No, but not to make light of that, but like as a a white blonde runner, like it's hard for it can be hard to see the microaggressions. So I up until recently, like I operated from the standpoint that oh, the running community is this beautiful, supportive, inclusive community. That's not necessarily reality. Right? I mean, from your experience and then from, you know, a lot of the people that you you feature. Right. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I think it's important then if you yourself, if you recognize that your experience is not the universal experience, like that's, I think that's already a very important recognition, realization. And then to move forward from there with the attitude of like wanting to understand then what are the different experiences out there and what are the factors that drive those experiences? Because that is what will get you more to, I guess, the root of bigger problems <laughs> and inequities that exist. How do you find the people that you that you feature on your Instagram? Oh, I mean, I think there's like endless amount of, yeah. of runners of color who are who exist. I mean, a lot. Initially, I think I was looking under different hashtags, like hashtag black girls run, you know, right? Yeah. But now at this point, like, 
you know, there are so many different, also like different running groups and running crews from coast to coast. And really all, you know, just tapping into one, any of these group accounts and you just see the different runners there. I mean, that's honestly, like I just start following people or a lot of times people will use the the hashtag for diversity run. And then that's also how I get connected with people. And I usually try to follow people for a while and kind of get to know them a little bit before necessarily just reaching out and asking if they'd be interested in sharing their stories. Because again, like every runner is a person <laughs> and, and I also don't want people to feel um, used or, you know, objectified as, as like a tool merely to like, you know, build up a platform or something. And, and at the same time, you know, asking people to be, to share their running journeys and running stories is a very vulnerable ask. And a lot of times people have experienced, you know, pain and, that range from, you know, microaggressions to like flat out, you know, one runner had shared how there was, he was chased down on a run once with, you know, like from people with guns and. Oh my goodness. Wow. And so, you know, things like that, that like, there's a risk and a cost both emotionally, mentally, you know, to then relive those experiences to share (laughs) publicly. So, so yeah, like I just, I want to be mindful and respectful and honoring to each person whom I do ask to to share. And the hope is that they would realize in sharing that they would realize that they're not alone in their experiences and also that they're not alone in being supported, you know, in the running community as well. Absolutely. And I think you do, you do such a great job of that. And just, I mean, it is hard asking people to be vulnerable, and share, but um, hopefully, you know, people realize that that helps them grow and it helps other people grow and connect and, and feel like you're not alone, which is really important. Do you have ideas for the platform for the future? Not in the sense of like, oh, I want to reach, you know, X number of followers or anything like that. It's, you know, my... The main purpose for the account has always been just to help people feel seen and understood, you know, and and then and also hopefully, you know, that it would be educational and informative, you know, for people. And I mean, as long as there is a need for that, then I want to try my best to keep the, you know, the platform in existence, you know, and going you know, a friend of mine did suggest one time she, she had the idea of like, oh, what if like we made a book? <laughs> I mean, I, and I really love that idea. I think that'd be really cool to create a book, a compilation of every person's story. I mean, or maybe not everybody, anybody who wanted to like, you know, have their stories published, but also like, it'd be cool to include people's like, recipes, maybe, you know, like their favorite recipes from their, from their culture or, you know, like, that's a great idea. I mean, anyway, that'd be cool, but I'm also just- thinking maybe <laughs> another podcast. You could. Do oh no, I don't know. <laughs> you can add another one know. to your list. Right. Yeah. I don't uh, know. We'll see how this one even goes. <laughs> so. 
Oh, I'm sure it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna go great. So for the listeners, it's at Diverse We Run. And if you want to follow Carolyn, she is at I Run for the Glory, right? And so my last question for you is what today keeps you passionate about running? What today keeps me passionate about running? I think how it's funny that you're asking me this today because I just did a test run this morning after, you know, like, again, I having, I'm recovering from COVID and I haven't run in a couple of weeks now. And so I tried to do this very easy pace test run, 20 minutes where I thought I was going at easy pace, but when I was checking my heart rate, it was at like 157, 158. And so I had to stop and just walk. But <laughs> so I was kind of processing the disappointment of that um, before we hopped on here. But, you know, I think what brings me back to running, though, is just the how it makes me so appreciative and grateful for my body, for my health and for the ability to just move, you know, and not just like in the sport of running, but really through life. And I just, I love how running has become this, yeah, this like, I don't know, I don't want to keep saying tool, (laughs) medium, (laughs) medium through which, you know, I've really just been able to grow in appreciation for life itself. And so that's what I'm, I guess, passionate about for today in regards to running. Yeah, I think that is a great, you should like, I don't know, trademark that running is, <laughs> running is the way I appreciate life. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really does sum it up really well. And I will say, I know it's so easy, but don't t- get too discouraged about the heart rate. I mean, it's going to be higher anyways, after taking time off those first few runs, but it will regulate, I promise. So I know it's such a tough spot to be in. You're in the land of unknown, but it will get better. I promise. All right. Well, I loved chatting with you. I could chat with you a lot longer, but I appreciate this hour of your time and seeing your face. And yeah, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Whitney. This has been fun. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Carolyn, and thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. Full show notes for each episode, which includes summaries, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from the episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash The Passionate Runner. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. See you next time.